It's the All 7 Days Podcast, recorded live from the Hammett Point Studios in Lyman, South Carolina, where we take your question and answer it from the perspective of a couple of church members having spiritual conversations where the Bible gets to define truth and our minds and perspectives get to conform to that truth. Send your question in at askatall7days.com, 864-660-9473 to leave a voicemail or a text and join the All 7 Days Hangout on Facebook, etc., etc., etc. You know the drill. Hey, Trevor, how are you? I'm doing well, Stan. How so, about yourself? So, Trevor, when you popped on, I'm doing great. Uh, when you popped on the uh, Zoom call for recording today, you had an interesting hat on. So, uh, and I, th- <laughs> and I was wondering if you had just killed something and stuck it on your head. You want to explain uh, the hat and the attire that you had on? Sure. Uh, today at work is our favorite Christmas character from any movie or show we got to dress up and so uh, i took it upon myself to dress up like cousin eddie from christmas vacation <laughs> but not just any scene but the scene where he's outside uh pumping the pumping the toilet out into the sewer <laughs> he paused there did you notice that he paused and stopped he himself he did there's a famous line there that we will not say on the show uh, but we can say that there is an rv <laughs> an Are you serious, Clark? <laughs> oh yeah. We better stop. We we'll go all night. We'll go all night. All right. Favorite, favorite, uh, favorite movie Christmas movie quote. Uh. Oh, by the way, Bradley's here. <laughs> yeah. Hey, everybody. <laughs> it's got to be from Christmas Vacation. Yeah. Can you say it? On the I'm podcast? trying to think. <laughs> I, I, I know mine. Save the neck for me, Clark. <laughs> <laughs> I think. <laughs> I think my favorite parts of that movie are the visuals. Yeah. The the <laughs> he, the white sweater with the red dicky with the dicky. <laughs> It's just, it's just so good. Uh, a little tree water won't hurt him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that just. This, you know what? Uh, I've, I've I've seen that movie a, a few times, but when <clears throat> Mary's family gets together for Thanksgiving, there there's just several in the family that are movie quoters. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, it's those people that yeah. can just quote movies all day long. And I'm not a movie quoter, but. It, every year, every year at Thanksgiving, somebody will say something. Like, it might just be, you serious, Clark? And then from there, <laughs> it just goes. It's just a long string of quotes from that movie over and over again. So I've, I've almost got it memorized from that more than watching the movie. <laughs> uh, you're, it doesn't have to be this movie. Any other favorite oh. quotes from Christmas movies? Well, kind of like my family, when we get together on Christmas Day... Uh, we get ready to sit down to eat, and I'll I'll tell somebody that they need to say the blessing. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of my favorites. Oh, it's so oh, good! Oh gosh, Grace, Grace, she, she died, died thirty years ago. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Man. 
mercy. It's well, definitely one of those movies that's more fun to quote than even watch. Oh, yeah, that's <clears throat> true of several. Monty Python and the Holy Grail, true. much yep. more fun to talk about than it is to watch because yep. it just won't end. Yep. <laughs> this is so true. <laughs> it goes on forever. Uh, all right, well, I guess we know what we're calling this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> there's several things you could call it from that i love it the word full comes to mind but anyway uh bradley is here and uh we're going to answer uh, lots of questions we're going to go back take a look at uh three or four weeks worth of stuff and hopefully we can get that done without too many movie quotes thrown in this is the all seven days podcast Welcome back to the All 7 Days Podcast. Bradley, Trevor, Stan here to take a look back at several questions. Uh, we should just lump Tanya's together because she, mm. she had two yep. two sets. Uh, so let's look back at uh, Second Kings. She, looks at, she asks about the significant uh, spiritual takeaways from two amazing accounts, as she puts it, and they are pretty amazing, where uh, Elisha... Uh, is um, uh, is dead mm-hmm. and 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 put into a tomb uh, or some sort of cave, and um, well, let's just read it. Second Kings thirteen twenty one. And it came to pass when they were burying a man, that behold, they spied a band of men that that uh, and they cast the man into the sepulcher of Elisha, and when the man was let down, he touched the bones of Elisha. He revived and stood to his feet. I'm just gonna stop right there and let you uh, let you riff a minute. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, <clears throat> let me let me address the nature of the question, then we'll we'll talk about yep. um, Elisha. It, when when people read things like this in the Bible, sometimes you read scripture and and the application is just right there. You know, it's it's yeah. it's just so. Yeah. You know, um, husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church. There you go. It doesn't take too much deep thought to go, <laughs> here's what I need to do if I'm a husband, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but sometimes you do read these strange accounts in the Bible, and we want to uh, sort of mine out some spiritual significance from it. But I am always an advocate of the simplest reading of the text is usually right. Yeah. 9.99999910 uh, times out of 10 just the simple application, and I thought you guys did a fantastic job uh, of talking about, you know, what is it that God's wanting to put on display there uh, about himself? Mm-hmm. And, you know, Elijah and Elisha are these larger-than-life figures in Israel's history and in the Old Testament, you know, yeah. such that they they were still considered larger-than-life figures mm-hmm. when Jesus comes around and when when he and his little band of disciple missionaries are going out doing stuff, you know, there's speculation that maybe this is Elijah or some other dead prophet like that come yeah. back to life. So yeah. um, there might be an a, a tendency um, among God's people to focus on the person rather than the God who's working mm-hmm. through the person. And so I think that's what's in play there. Is it, it Elijah's bones? God doesn't need a living, breathing prophet to do what he needs done or what he right. wants done. He can yep. use the bones if he wants to, you know. And I, I thought about you know kind of a New Testament parallel to that same kind of attribute of God in Acts chapter five. Peter's shadow is mm-hmm. healing people. Yeah. Now, does that mean that 
we need to go around trying to get under the shadow or in the shadow of people we consider to be really godly and spiritual. Right. No. Yeah. yeah. That's just yet another consistent, you know, uh, display of God's character, his power that he he will use whatever he wants to use to bring about his yeah. purposes. When people were taking cloths. Yeah. I was about uh, to go there. Thank and you. fragments of clothing, I guess, from Paul. Right. And taking them to the sick, and they were being healed, and that was in Acts 19. Yeah. Um, you know, I I don't know about you, but I've been around people that laud prayer cloths, quote yes. unquote. Yeah. Kind of leveraging what happened there with Paul as if that's a thing that God—that's not a thing God wants to do and repeat. Right. So I don't think we should necessarily be trying to get prayer, prayer cloths or get underneath people's shadows or climb in the graves of dead right prophets. Yeah. But just let those accounts be descriptive of the character of God and not prescriptive yep. and try to mine out spiritual significance that I don't think is really there. I think yep. it's it's God putting that on display. Yeah, I agree. I got a, I got a question. Mm -hmm. um, so is that similar to the woman that touched Jesus's robe? Yes. Yep. And was healed? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Even Jesus is God, it's still, yeah, he the didn't robe, have to physically touch her. The robe had nothing was, to do with it, right? Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. okay. Yeah. I think, you know, and I think that was, that was a divine appointment set up by God. I just mm -hmm. taught on that not that long ago is that, you know, there, there, there are legitimate questions to be asked about what Jesus knew in advance before it happened and when he's living through things where he has maybe a general idea of what the Lord wants, I think he knew I'm to go to Jairus's house. And on the way there, though, this woman comes out of nowhere, touches the hem of his garment, and I know this might wreck some people's, you know, um, picture of Jesus and theology of Jesus. I don't know that he saw that coming. Right. Um, I think it was a genuine question. Who touched me? Power's gone out from me. And I think Jesus realized the Father's up to something here. And the power of God was put on display just through the woman touching the hem of his garment. And Jesus gives his attention to that woman. So, yeah, that's not something we need to look to be repetitive or mine some kind of spiritual significance out of the hem of Jesus' clothes as much as it's a display of the power of God and uh, what he had lined up uh, for Jesus that day. Cool. Makes sense. All right. Now, let's float an axe head. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, you did so good with this. Like, I I loved the context of, you know, Elisha has disciples. He has students who are poor. And, and, and the poor little fellow borrowed the axe head, borrowed yeah. the axe. And yeah. then you talked about the handle, a wooden handle and stuff flying off. That's happened to me so many times. Oh, man. Um, How many things have you broken? Mm-hmm. Of the head of a hammer or something flying off. T totally. Yeah. Um, but you know, yet there is God's attentiveness and provision to for his people. Yeah. I think about, and I think this, I can't make, I can't make a definitive claim that this is what, this is the reason this happened. But in Luke chapter 5, um, when Jesus you know, he's teaching by the sea and he commandeers Peter's boat mm -hmm. uh, for amplification. That's yep. really a cool thing. Push yep. it out a little bit. Water amplifies his voice, teaches the crowd. 
they've been fishing all night, caught nothing. Yep. And he's about to call them to be his disciples mm -hmm. and become fishers of men. Um, and for some of them, that might not have been as big a leap to leave everything and follow him as it was for Peter. Yeah. Peter has a wife, maybe children. Yeah. Um, this is his livelihood, and he's going to leave all of that. And yes, we know the, the, the big catch of fish when Jesus says, let your nets down again. Lord, we fished all night. Nevertheless, at your word, we'll do what you say. And they haul in this huge catch of fish. Mm -hmm. What is that? Is, is, that a, is that a metaphor, allegorical picture that Jesus has given Peter of, hey, this is what minist your ministry is going to be like no. if you follow me? <laughs> it's not, because that's not how it was. I think... Again, I can't be too dogmatic about this. I can't help but wonder if that was a source of provision yeah, for absolutely. Peter's family who's about to leave his career yeah. and become a disciple of this Jesus. That how, how long did that catch of fish provide for his family yeah. and, and Peter's partners? Yeah. You know, some of which also left and followed Jesus. Yeah, I thought that same thing. Yeah, that had to have, it, you know, it's sinking two boats, right? Absolutely. And, huge. you know, that huge catch of fish was l worth a lot of money. A lot and, of money. And, yeah, I thought that same thing, that, that it was probably, it certainly helped provide for families for quite some time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And and you, you can even go to the feeding of the 5,000. There, there is definitely, definitely a lesson Jesus is teaching his disciples there. Yeah. Right? Uh, in, in Mark's gospel, it, it actually refers to the, they did not get the lesson of the loaves. Yeah. Um, so the first time they didn't learn it, uh, that's why there's two feedings. But nevertheless, after each feeding, they gathered up leftovers. Yeah. After the first one, 12 baskets full. There's 12 disciples. I mean, and, and there's more following him than just the 12, but there there's provision there. Um, mm -hmm. Even as Jesus is teaching them things provision follows you know at one point he tells peter to go fish and catch a fish and there's a coin in there to pay their their pay tax, tax yeah right i mean that's that's amazing um yeah. but but to know that god cares about those details of our lives just you know just like he cared for that poor disciple of elisha whose axe head flew into the water yeah so yeah Good job on that one. Thank you. Really, really good. Any any questions from that one, Trevor? I'm sure some people out there who sunk their boat or their trucks at the boat dock would probably. Yeah, we could take those guys a prayer cloth. <laughs> Or just, you know, throw a stick over Throw the, a stick in the water. In the and water here's a prayer cloth. <laughs> That's good. That's funny. All right. Uh, the next question from Tanya is, I wonder why we don't sing, about, sing songs about the wrath of God, didn't David? And this is where Cody came in for this one, and, uh, and we talked about this one, because Cody is big on imprecatory psalms. Yes, he is. And uh, so... Um, and we, I could only think. Did you? Could you think of any more songs that uh, we sing that we where the wrath of God is mentioned? The only one <laughs> that I could think of is not a modern song, but it's. I guess it's sort of a hymn that we used to sing uh, called "Jesus is Coming Soon." 
morning, night, or I noon. I remember that one, yeah. Many we will meet, meet their, their doom. doom. Yep. Trumpets uh, yep. will sound. That's yep. the only other one I've thought of that really talks oh, about the wrath of God. Wait a minute. Hang on. I think in this uh, this old, remember this thing? There's a, uh, I think it's in here. This old. Oh, that is hymnal. old. Yeah, this is, this is from 1890, I think. Wow, that's great. Um, it's one of those uh, religious meeting songs of grace and truth. Hallmack Publishers, 1020 Art Street, Philadelphia is what it says on the front. And I mm. think it's. There's a copyright that I always have to get glasses to see, but I think it's around 1890. Can you can you see that? Yep, 1899. It looks like 1899. Okay, so uh, <laughs> there's a song. I think it's in here, and it's and it's. I think it's entitled "If Sinners Go to Hell, Who Cares." Oh my goodness. Yeah, and I've there've actually there's actually some relatively recent renditions uh, i'll say in the last probably 20 years uh i'm not going to find it really quickly but um i got a song anyway yeah uh would johnny cash god's gonna cut you down be a song about god's wrath <laughs> yeah i guess so <laughs> in a manner of thinking yeah <laughs> yeah oh man well i <clears throat> You know, I think the melodies of praise. Yeah. Did you ever see this one? Mm -hmm. the, that that song you're talking about is in here. I'm sure it is. But you know, I think what there, there's a couple of things here. I mean, one is it 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 is appropriate to sing about the wrath of God. Um, and I don't think there are a lot of songs that have been written about it. Um, and certainly. Little to know. I mean, you you mentioned in Christ alone, um, which I do think has that that one line in it mm -hmm. that is yep. is is good. It it's, right. it's it speaks of the wrath of God in a right way. Right. But I don't I just don't think we I think we lack in the church good solid theological footing on the wrath of God. Yeah, you I know, agree. People hear about the wrath of God and they think about just God having a bad temper, yeah. and that's not. Mm -mm. It's not what this is about. I I, I wanted to read Romans oh chapter boy. one. Oh boy! Oh, here we go. And I, I just think this is a good place to start. If, if you, you know, if you want to have a good biblical footing on the wrath of God, I mean, listen to this. Paul says, "For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power." of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. We could all we all know that. We all can quote that. We yeah. we love that. That's wonderful, rich, sweet truth. Mm -hmm. Next verse four. Or because. Right. So I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God. It, the righteous shall live by faith, but I really think the four is connected to I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Right. Mm -hmm. Why are you not ashamed of the gospel, Paul? For the wrath of God is revealed, the ESV says, that in the Greek it would be is being revealed in an mm -hmm. ongoing way from heaven 
against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. So what we know is, is that the God ultimately, we talk about this all the time, God is all about his glory. Yeah. And, and if your gospel understanding does not start with that, if it doesn't, isn't founded on that, you're going to have a really hard time grasping the gospel. Yeah. Um, at least the biblical gospel. You know, I, I, I saw a post from a person who goes to a church that I know. This person had actually been invited to share a, a testimony of sorts at this particular church not that long ago. And because I follow the church, I saw a post from this person, looked at that person's personal social media, where one of the captions from her own post about sharing her testimony and a picture of her doing so um, was said went something like this God loves you and Christ died for you because you are worthy of his love mm. don't ever forget that <clears throat> and and that <laughs> I'm, I'm at the point now where that kind of stuff is angering me yeah not because I'm angry at that person but I'm angry at poor teaching and poor doctrine when it comes to salvation. You know, God's glory is worth the demonstration of mercy and grace mm -hmm. and the demonstration of judgment and yeah. wrath. Yeah. Both are necessary for the full display of his glory to be uh to be put on display and 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 I think we don't have a good solid theology for the wrath of God and I think therefore we find that a lot of our songs um, tend toward not all of them but some of them tend toward uh, sort of a fluffy shallow um, at best understanding of the love of God and the mercy of God and what it means to be a child of God uh, rather than the deep rich understanding of Ephesians chapter 2 we all were by nature children of right. wrath. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so it, it would be right for us to, you know, imprecatory psalms I think are, at least, at least from where Tanya's question is coming from, I yeah. think, I think those are maybe a little bit, that's a little bit different train. Yeah, I think you're right. But <laughs> to sing about the wrath we deserved, to you know taste and savor the joy of our salvation in light of the fact we've been rescued from his wrath right. that his wrath was as in Christ alone says the wrath of God was satisfied because it was poured out on Christ right it was exhausted on Christ and therefore I now receive the righteousness of Christ you, you can't you you can't fully understand that and celebrate it without seeing both his yeah. wrath and his mercy mm -hmm. um and and I think there are ways in which God has given us to rehearse that. I mean, communion in and of itself. Yeah. This is my yep. body, which was what? Broken. Broken. Yeah. This is my blood, which is shed for you. That that's massive. That yeah. that you, you don't you don't just talk about a broken body and a and a bloodletting mm -hmm. 
blood being drained out in a casual, flippant way. No. So um, I think that's why we don't sing about it enough. Um, but God didn't save me because I was worthy. Yeah, that's true. He saved me because it brings him glory to, on my behalf, exhaust the wrath I deserved in his son and give me the righteousness of his son and take out my heart of stone, put in a heart of flesh that's sensitive and soft and and uh, is able to now worship him. I mean, that's one of the themes of Romans 1 mm-hmm. is that there's a disordered worship going on. Yeah. People, people forsook yeah. worship of the living God and started worshiping, worship, worshiping creation. Uh, that's that's the disorder that's you know just the human story Um, but anyway that's my take on why we don't uh, but we certainly could uh, in a in a in a very without I don't know about lauding the doom of people I I mean I I get that um, but I do think that there's a right way to sing about the wrath of God to meditate on the wrath of God we're going to talk about meditation and let it be something that spurs our joy and also our urgency uh, in the mission. Cool. Trevor? Move on. Move on. I'm going to write a song. Okay. You go write a song. It probably should be in a minor key. I'm just saying. Yeah. Yeah. I don't even know what that means, but okay. Okay. Yeah. All right, uh, Eddie sends in a question about Hebrews 6, 1 and 2. talks about the basic teachings of Christianity. Help me understand this better. He says, there's really not a question there. It's more of a command, but we took it on anyway. Um, so, how'd we do? Uh, you did great. <laughs> um, you know, I, I've said this before about the, the book of Hebrews, um, that it, it's not a chapter a day keeps the sin and the devil away kind of book, you know, yeah. it's, it's really got to be taken in larger chunks, similar to Romans. I heard Piper describe the book of Hebrews this way, um, that it's almost like catching a gymnast that's doing a double backflip with a twist in midair. Oh, because it, and, and being able to slow that down in slow motion and a coach on the sideline being able to say, while the gymnast is in midair, do this, do that, do this, do that, do this, do that, do this, do that. It's so that you stick the landing. Because the goal is <laughs> to stick the landing. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So the goal of salvation is not simply that I check the Jesus box, right. I get the mercy stamp, and then, you know, I just try to live somewhere above the baseline of cousin Eddie until I get <laughs> to heaven. Right. Like, like that, that's the goal. No, there, there's a, there's a, there's a salvation I believe is complete and final in the sense that it, it's not lacking anything. We're completely justified the moment we were born again, yep. but there is a process of living that out. It's why Paul would say, work out your salvation. Yeah with fear and trembling because it is God at work in you to will and to do according to his good pleasure. So there is this God's working in and I'm working out kind of thing that's just happening on over and over. And so 
uh, the warnings and admonishments in Hebrews that some of them are scary. Mm -hmm. Some of them, you know, I've talked to more than one person who's been reading through Hebrews and going, I'm just not sure I'm saved anymore. And I don't think that's the point of Hebrews. But the warnings are purposeful. And they're and what I find in the book of Hebrews is that they're all, they're always sandwiched in a way that you know it I, I can savor and hear and heed the warnings and admonishments while also being assured that the work this is Paul's language and I, I don't think Paul wrote Hebrews uh, maybe Bob did um, <laughs> I think it was Bob yeah that. I can be assured that he who began a good work is going to be faithful to complete it. Case in point, the the passage in question, um, it's sandwiched between chapter 5, verse um, 14. But solid food is for the mature, which the people he's writing to, he does not think are mature. Right. Um, and why, what, what is the evidence of that? For those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil, they have a problem determining good from evil. Right. That's, that's, they're, they're, they're kind of stuck in that. I, I read this portion of Hebrews and I think about you know, getting saved every year at youth camp. Yeah. It's just like over and over. I, 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 okay, I love Jesus and I'm sorry for my sins. I don't want to go to hell. And then I come back and have to go to the altar and repent for all the same things I did the same year before. That's kind of what's going on, yeah. I think, in Hebrews. And then we have... The, the section that he asked about, you know, leaving the elementary doc- doctrines um, and, you know, it, it, in the case where someone who has once been enlightened and tasted the heavenly gift and shared in the Holy Spirit and have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the age to come and then have fallen away to restore them again to repentance since they are crucifying once again the Son of God to their own harm and holding him up in, in, to contempt. Now, we could... Spend some time unpacking that, but that's a that's a pretty significant warning and admonishment. Yeah. But you keep reading to verse ten, and he says about these same people, for God is not unjust so as to overlook your work and the love that you have shown for His name in serving the saints as you still do. Yeah. So, in in right on the heels of that admonishment. Mm-hmm. That kind of spanking that yeah. he's given them yeah. is this assurance, and and the he- book of Hebrews just seems to work that way all the way through. If you just keep reading, the assurance is there, yeah. and the warnings are there. And I've said before, I think God is a God who not only intends the end but the means, and part of the end is He intends our our salvation and our glorification. And part of the means to that end is the warnings and encouragements of Scripture alongside the prayers of the saints, alongside the work of the Holy Spirit, and the, uh, the, the double-edged sword of his word. I mean, it's, it's all of that are the means by which he's going to see us all the way to the end. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I like that. Got anything, Trevor? They're all no. quiet. No more, no more at Cousin Eddie jokes? I'm just taking it all in. All right. <laughs> all right, last one. Any more to add to that? I don't think so. Okay. Um, I think you guys did great with that. You, the, every episode uh, is always great, but these were these were especially good, I thought. Yeah, I thought we had a – it was like a different 
a different level of questions mm -hmm. on these. Uh, so uh, the last one, Hannah asks, I've heard you and Bradley state that you would meditate on a different phrase or idea. Can a Christian have a Christian meditative practice? Mm -hmm. Is it a form of prayer? I've heard many different kinds of types of meditation, but meditation is rooted in Eastern philosophy. How do we handle this as Christians? Um, I'll, I'll, I, I'll let you riff on that one, and then I'll, uh, I'll probably come back to something that I just realized okay. rec recently, but go ahead. Well, I, I would say to Hannah, meditation, what, what, what does she say there? She says, um, I've heard many different ki kinds and types of meditation, but meditation is rooted in Eastern philosophy. What I would say is a certain kind of meditation is rooted yeah. in in yeah. Eastern philosophy, yeah. because Christian meditation is, and I think you talked about this, is the opposite of sort of the Eastern religion, you know, religious ideas about meditation. It's not an emptying of self. Right. It's not even a self-examination yep. uh, or an emptying of the mind or uh, trying to get in tune with your, your inner thoughts and emotions and feelings or, you know, just even just going out and staring at creation and, and you know, uh, emptying your mind and taking in the world and and have this sort of cathartic experience with yourself. That's yeah. that's that might be a type of meditation, but it's not what Christian meditation right. is. Because Christian meditation, instead of emptying yourself, it's being filled. Yeah. You mentioned Romans twelve. Don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, right. the renovation of your mind according to the Word of God. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, the uh, Apostle Paul says in Colossians chapter 3, if then you've been raised with Christ, set your mind on things that are above. Focus it, aim it at things that are above, not on things that are on earth. Paul says in Ephesians 5, you know, see then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, making the most of every opportunity in evil days. Evil days meaning days that are filled with things that are going to turn me away from God, not mm -hmm. towards him. So don't be a fool and succumb to that. Make the most of every opportunity. And then he says, here's what I think is the key to that. Don't be drunk with wine, but, but be filled with the Spirit. Yeah. And being filled with the Spirit, it's not the same thing as when we're saved and the Holy Spirit takes up permanent residence in us. It's different. Um, the language be filled is really means to be fully occupied mm -hmm. with the presence of the spirit in you and with you as a believer be caught up with that and there's a host of scriptures yeah. that can help me lean into those realities yeah. romans 8 the spirit helps me pray when i don't know how to pray as i ought yeah. ephesians chapter 4 the spirit helps me in my relationships and helps me avoid lying and speaking the truth in love, right? Yeah, yeah. The Spirit gives gifts, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 through 14. There's, there's just a host of scriptures. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And I'll ask the Father, and he'll give you a helper, the Holy Spirit, who has been with you and will be in you. So he helps me with commandment keeping. So yeah. there's just tons of truth about the Spirit that I can be fully occupied with and be caught up with, which I think is yeah. the essence of Christian meditation. If I were to give, I loved your definition. I don't remember it verbatim. I don't either. But <laughs> if I were to give it 
a definition, I would say it's loving attentiveness to God. Loving attentiveness to God. It's yeah. I am tuning my tune my heart to sing your praise. That's a prayer yeah. that I believe the Spirit leads us in, and there's there's actionable participation that we can have with the Spirit in doing that. Is is you know Psalm one nineteen. I meditate on your law. And he says, and I delight in your statutes. Yeah. So there's this, I'm, I'm caught up, David says, with your law and your statutes and your rules. I'm just, I'm caught up in it, not because I'm just focused on rule keeping, but they reveal who you are. Yeah. And that causes me to delight in them. Yeah. So, so um, Stephen, just uh, our worship minister at, at church, <clears throat> just uh, issued a challenge to the praise team, praise band to memorize a psalm this year Mm -hmm. and uh i said well what better place to start than psalm one Mm -hmm. okay so i'll now that i'm on the spot right i'm not i haven't got the whole thing memorized yet i've kind of got the idea of the psalm Mm. in my head which helps me memorize what it's talking about because just memorizing words i can i can put words together and then spit it out and then Mm -hmm. have no idea what i was talking about right (laughs) Mm-hmm. Um, so, but the first paragraph of that is blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked or stands in the way of sinners or sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord and on his law, he meditates Takes day and, and night. night. So, uh, I think I got that right. Too. You did. You did. <laughs> so, uh, so there is a, there is a meditation there that. And I think, I don't know, Psalm 1 might predate Eastern religion. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. It, but at least uh, that gives you a great idea of what, I can't say Christian meditation is, but it's the same philosophy, right? Because David wasn't, quote unquote, a Christian, but he was, but he didn't know it. Mm-hmm. Um, but that meditating on and, and it's a lowercase l for law, right? It's not. Mm-hmm. He's not talking about Mosaic law. He's talking about basically the nature of God. Mm-hmm. I think God's mm-hmm. God's laws of who He is yep. that can't be broken. That's what He's talking about. He's talking about the nature of God, His His love, His wrath, His everything that encompasses God. Mm. Let's let's really think deeply and well about who He is, and that transforms us into. Um, into more of his likeness. Amen. Well said. Well, I just went back and was looking at our notes and what you just said, Stan. I mean, we talked about what's true and honorable and just, mm-hmm. and that goes directly with what you were just talking about. Yeah. So. yeah. yeah. Philippians oh. 4, that's a great passage. Yeah. Yep. 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 Cool. I think what was that, my What was my definition of Christian meditation? Did I have it on those notes? Just closed its thing. Can we pull it back? <laughs> Come on, man. You know what while he's looking that back up, yeah. um I, I would say that I think the Christian meditation um is is such a wonderful discipline um uh, in general, but especially for us right now. Uh because we because of the just 
the onslaught of media and internet and sound bites and mm-hmm. Twitter and headlines and, and snippets, um, you know, it's just been well documented. Uh, the human attention span is, yeah, it, it's, it's not even, it's, it's, it's just not even funny anymore. It's ridiculous yeah. how little we can pay attention and how short our attention spans are. And, I think I think that's a detriment to the Christian. Yeah, I think so too. And the more we can fill our minds with, I mean, you know, it, what a gracious gift it is that God gave us a book. He gave us his mm-hmm. word in written form. It's inspired by the Spirit. It's been preserved for us. People have died in service to God to keep it and preserve it. Um, and here we have it at our fingertips to be able to just read and meditate and memorize and be be fully caught up with the truth of God and and I think we need that so desperately yeah. so desperately right now um and it it's it, for those that maybe have not really done that before um and and maybe you're accustomed to a lot of media in your life and mm-hmm. scrolling through social media it's it's going to be hard oh yeah it's it's going to be hard uh to retrain your mind to be meditating the, the the kind of meditation that the psalmist david is talking about yeah. um and and the kind of kind of intentional thought that paul's talking about in philippians 4 um it but it but it's a it's a it's a worthwhile effort that you should make prayerfully yeah. depending on the spirit and it it also reminds me of just how almost prophetic c.s lewis was when he wrote screw tape letters mm-hmm. talking about you know just just keep them distracted yep you know just keep them distracted and that was that was his main strategy so true yeah we got my definition there yeah i do uh you said a deep thought process that confirms or refutes what i know about god his creation and how i should live in it leading to a transformation towards being made in the image of christ it changes how i think about the world around me how i behave and how i interact with others there you go how was that so good that sounds like a Piper definition. No, because it's no. a paragraph, right? <laughs> <laughs> Piper's well, like, Piper Piper's would... like, let me give you my sermon title. <laughs> Piper... And ten minutes later, <laughs> we go start the sermon. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. Piper would now go back and define every one of those every terms. One of those words. <laughs> what I mean by <laughs> what I mean by thought. Yeah. <laughs> uh, wouldn't you love to sit down with him for a little while? I would. Talk? I actually would. I'm I'm reading through his uh, God is the Gospel book, mm. uh, and it's just it's tremendous. It's a great reminder, and it's where I stole quite a bit of um, my last fourth week of Discover Res, mm. where he talks about you know the the laundry episode and mm-hmm. the roses and well, I don't know if the roses story is in there, but um but he does he you know he just he just so zeroes in that the the greatest gift in the gospel is god himself it's it's not we can't fall in love with and 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 hold more dear the forgiveness of our sins than him than him right he is the gospel he is the ultimate point of the good news um so uh, it's just a, it's a great it's a hard read though it's it's he's not he's straightforward everything but he's I think it's I think it's his uh, he does that same sort of thing right in his sermons where mm-hmm. he 
where he says a phrase, he says it again in a slightly different way, and then he starts defining the phrase, you know, and it's that, it's that I've read this. I felt like I've read this before. I've read mm-hmm. this before, but he keeps building mm-hmm. as such a, but it's, he's such a great teacher. I, I, so I have to read it in his voice <laughs> <laughs> and look for hand motions and, <laughs> oh, and put some inflection in it yep. and get really excited about certain things. So, yeah. um, Anyway, well, this has been fun. It's, it's such a great uh, set of questions from the listeners. So yeah, really good. Coming. Really good. Yeah. All right. I, I wouldn't mind if Tanya goes to the New Testament though. <laughs> <laughs> if, you're listen, if you're listening, Tanya, <laughs> let's, let's, let's let's go to some New let's Testament. Get some New Testament. That's right. So now she's going to come with the most obscure Old Testament she is. question. She I know. is. I love it. I love she it. Is. All right. Anything else, Trevor? Nope. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. Remember, get your question in. Ask at all7days.com, 864-660-9473. Let others know about the podcast. Leave us a review and support us, all7days.com slash shop, anchor.fm slash all7days. This is the All 7 Days podcast, where the goal is to make you think so highly of God that you forget about yourself. Now, go give someone what you value most today. 